1: Today's episode of What Happened When? It's brought to you by savek.com and Tony, I think you have outdone yourself uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't checked out SaveCade.com, you need to. Not just because we'll be able to save some money, but this video is off the damn rails. It's S-A-V-E-C-A-D-E. Tony, how in the world did you come up with this? This is proof that you take drugs. Maybe used to. I don't know if I do anymore, but, but I do need
2: to say that when I bring up SaveCade, there's a shot of me that looks awfully fat on there. I don't know how that came about. Maybe it's the way I look, but I do want to remind people that you can stop wrestling with debt, put your butt in the seat, Fast and easy, no credit check to be a part of SaveCade.com, Conrad.
1: Well, and what's fun is, you know, the site even says, Mortal Kombat, all of your debt. No more hard way or easy way, brother. Uh, Maybe that old kitchen's got to go. Maybe you're desperately out of time to pay your house off faster. Well, we want to let you know that you don't need good-looking credit. Your credit doesn't have to look as good as the Z-Man did. And you can own a house with no money down, which is, coincidentally, how much money. Evan Courageous True. You can make this fast and easy. It can even be the greatest night in the history of our great sport when you skip your next two house payments. And maybe you could even lower your monthly payments, which probably would have been helpful when WCW was taken over by Bill Watts and he cut your pay, right, Tony?
2: Yes. You can cut years off your loan, consolidate your debt, stop making the minimum payments. Believe you me, that will get you behind. And get a greater tax deduction, Conrad. It's all part of SaveK.com. And what I love about it is you can own your own home with no
1: money down my favorite thing about the thing though is you fucking dancing and singing i'm not making this up tony shivani dances and sings you've got to see it even if you don't actually need a home loan or need to save money you've got to see tony singing and dancing at savecade.com that's s-a-v-e-c-a-d-e animal s number 65084 equal housing lender
2: David Crockett and Tony, Saturday nights on your TV. Flair and Dusty and the poor Horseman, Jim Cornette and Big Bubba. Back when it was real, the NWA was back in the game, replacing Vince shit that was really lame. Magnum T.A. and the Key, off Gorgeous Jimmy and Ronnie Garvin, and the shit was really good. The Crockett family didn't know what they had. Had to sell off when things went
0: bad.
2: Sold the Turner and gave it to Jim. Her things really went to the shitter. Goddamn Candyman. Welcome to the number one in professional wrestling, World Championship Wrestling. I'm David Crockett with me, is Tony Schiavone. Tony, we've got an exciting hour of
0: World Championship Wrestling where we've got the greatest wrestlers in the world. Welcome to WHW Monday. Kevani and
2: Conrad Thompson! Jim Crockett, for Arcade, 605 NWA,
0: TV title, Cajun Omni, The Bunkhouse Stampede, Flair and Horseman, Garvin, Bogey, Magnum, Dusty, Express, Tag Team, Turner, bought in Mid-South Joy World Championship Wrestling.
2: Talking about the great years of World Championship Wrestling, the NWA, and Jim Crockett Promotions. Tony and First they win, look, Schiavone's back again, world title split off, center stage, Bischoff, Disney, Hogan, and Nitro, New World Order, and The Crow, Under Russo, Arcad, Champ, Vinnie, Matt, Simulcast. Tony's back with Conrad. Not your classy podcast. Watch along, try not to laugh.
1: Lois rules cat back. This wasn't the initial plan. Tom's like, he's a good looking man. Quad
0: like Bill, make a chair. Tommy, you come over here. What happened when? With... WHW Monday. And now,
2: let's go to the ring. And here's your co host. Hey, hey.
1: Hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to What Happened When? Tony Shavani, what's going on, man? How are you,
2: Conrad Thompson? Happy month of June to you, buddy. We uh, wow, we're into another month here in 2018, and we're just as red hot as we can be, thanks to our uh, our listeners, our loyal listeners who who joined us now each and every Wednesday. Uh, but for our loyal listeners on Patreon, you get us on Monday, commercial free, and we appreciate everybody. Who's, uh, who's a part of what happened when I could never imagine it'd be as hot as it is. Thanks to everybody. Conrad. Thanks to you.
1: (laughs) Well, man, thanks to the audience for supporting us the way they have. We had an overwhelming response on Patreon. Uh, a lot of people thought we were crazy when we had the four different levels and we had the low key big hog and Tony, it sold out almost immediately. Lots of people are digging what we're doing We'd love to have your support as well over at patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday. Lots of behind the scenes stuff already up and Adam, of course, a little peek at Tony doing prep work for this week. You got to see Tony calling a baseball game, which is the real gig. And we rolled a little tape right before we taped this episode. We're going to continue to crank out this content every single week. So stay tuned, including more bonus shows. And uh, I think maybe the highlight of Patreon right now is probably your reaction video to the Enzo rap video. So you're going to watch the Enzo rap, have your reaction and post it quite the venture here. Um, how would you describe your relationship with rap music and hip hop culture, Tony? Uh, zero. Okay.
2: Yeah. Although I do need to say this, uh, when I was working for another radio station in Atlanta, there was a hip hop station in our cluster. Yeah. And a, a, a rap group, I don't know if it became a famous rap group or not. I don't know. And I guess I should. A rap group, about three guys came in and they saw me and one of them dropped down to one knee. And one of them went, Tony Schiavone, my God. And I said, Get up, son. It's not that big a deal. So. Uh, even though I, I, I don't listen to rap music, it's not my type of music. I have nothing against it. I, as, as a matter of fact, there is actually some Eminem stuff that I f- f- thought was pretty darn entertaining. And some stuff by Outkast was too. But I don't listen to it, even though I, I don't. I, I think uh, wrestling has had some fans within the hip-hop community.
1: You know, it's uh, just for a minute there, I thought you were about to freestyle when you said get up son i thought that was like the hook on something so (laughs) hey what's your favorite outcast song uh
2: i don't know the one where the dogs were shaking their head back and forth what was it what was on the video that's probably hey Yah." yeah hey ya, that's what
1: it was yeah yeah that's not what i was hoping for i was hoping it was something like rosa parks or miss jackson or so fresh and so clean but you know we'll go with hey (laughs) Yah." hey you good I'm not arguing that. Well, listen, you know what else is good? And that is LinkedIn. And, And the reason I'm excited to talk about LinkedIn today is because LinkedIn, and I don't even know that you and I have talked about this before, Tony, they have helped my business grow for years and years and years. You see a business is only as strong as its people and every single hire matters. So don't settle for posting and hoping the right person will find your role and apply. Instead, do what I do and choose LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the world's largest professional network, and it's also a better way to find great talent and really think about this. I mean, how often do you check job boards for most people? It's like a very occasional thing. But there is one place where you can go and check out professionals every day. It's LinkedIn. 70% of the workforce here in the United States is already on LinkedIn. So you've got 22 million professionals viewing and applying for jobs on LinkedIn every single week, and that's across every industry. There are hundreds of thousands of businesses who have posted to LinkedIn jobs over the past year, and they rate LinkedIn jobs 40% higher than job boards at delivering quality candidates just because that's where the candidates already are. Uh, LinkedIn is going to consider skills, experiences, location, and much, much more to match and promote your job to potential candidates. If you're not using LinkedIn for your hiring needs, you are missing out. We've got a special offer right now, don't we, Tony? Yes, we do. Oh,
2: Conrad, go to linkedin.com slash what happened when. That's linkedin.com slash what happened when. One word, what happened when. You get $50 credit towards your first job posts. How about that? Get your $50 credit today. Terms and conditions apply.
1: I think you did that wrong. I think it's linkedin.com slash what happened when. I think that's what you're supposed to do.
2: <laughs> Sorry, only you can do that. that that's your gimmick, not mine.
1: Well, let's get to uh, Lois' gimmick now. Are you ready? I'm ready to go, and let's bring Lois in.
2: Lois, sweetheart, if you're ready. We're doing this on a weekend, so sometimes you never know what shape she's in on a weekend, but she looks pretty good today. Hi, honey. And here we go.
0: Three, two, one. Lois rules. Uh, I, uh, they hit play.
2: I start again, Conrad. Sorry.
1: Oh, why, you're the worst button pusher ever. This is... <laughs>
0: It's. You're, I'm, you're literally I'm, I'm, counting.
1: I'm letting you count. It's like three, two, one, play. I didn't do it. What well, you fucking? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll leave this in.
0: <laughs> All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Give me a play.
2: All right. Now it's rolling, and we see the American Dream, Dusty Roads, and Baby Doll. Coming to the ring. Uh, Boy, baby doll was quite the star back then. Wouldn't you say that? I was four,
1: so I I can't speak to that. Okay. Well, then, did anybody tell you that she was quite the star back then? I have heard she was a big star, and Dusty Rhodes here. Man, this is the way, you know, when I go back and I watch tapes, I want to remember Dusty. You know, he's coming to the ring here in an ill-fitting T-shirt, kissing the camera on the way out, and he doesn't. I mean, the dude just exudes stardom. I mean, he exudes cool. And speaking of cool, here comes Ric Flair. What what building are they shooting this in right here? Spartanburg
2: Memorial Auditorium. What's the Very com- small venue that was close to Charlotte and was very good for our TV tapings back then.
1: That's what I wanted to talk about is, you know, you look at this and this looks like a very small building, you know, like Ring of Honor runs much bigger buildings than this. And we've always heard that you know, 1986 is probably Jim Crockett promotion's best year. But yet here, man, this is not a big building at all. What do you think the capacity here is? Oh, the capacity here may be 2,000 people, 3,000 people at the most.
2: Uh, and and you're right. Uh, there, there, there's Tommy Young uh, as the referee. And Flair said, this is for the title. And they, have, they had David and I voice over this. And David was screaming, all right, here he is. And oh, he's glory. Watch out, Tommy. What he Tony! Here he goes.
1: Man, this intro music right
2: here hits me right in the feels. World Championship Wrestling featuring the great stars of the NWA National Wrestling Alliance. That is ingrained in my brain. Holy shit. How about this jacket? That wouldn't fit around one of my legs right now
1: motherfucker. You know, we've got so many people who love this show and they love making fun of David Crockett on commentary. How do you yeah. think David did here? I think he gets a bad rap.
2: He gets a bad rap because uh David wasn't an announcer. He uh he didn't grow up wanting to be an announcer like I did. Didn't study uh radio, TV, film like I did. He was an owner of the company. And I think he gets a bad rap because look, he wasn't that good of an announcer but as dusty Rhodes used to always say and fucking david crockett is raw buddy when he calls matches he's calling it from the heart because it's his business he's getting he it wants over it to work
1: he's getting What's it that? over his yes. enthusiasm and understanding the angle and what we're trying to he's trying to convey the emotion that he knows the storyline should be hitting and you know who better to know where it's going than him and I just think that he he delivered it with a lot of passion. No, he maybe wasn't as polished, but I don't think that matters really. I mean, some of the best announced, like, I don't think Joe Rogan went to broadcast school. I could be wrong, but Joe Rogan is my favorite UFC commentator ever because he is a real fan of what he's watching. He has a real understanding of what they're doing because, you know, he's rolled around in jujitsu for years and years. And I just think Rogan adds a, a real, Oh, here we go. Let me, let me let you take over here.
2: Okay, here's what I'd like to say, uh, Tony Schiavone. Uh, what I think. Uh, for most of us of being uh, from uh, up north of the border, uh, we talk Ronnie Gover and of stone. We talk uh, like uh, hockey players. Uh, but I'd like to say this, uh, Tully Blanchard. We've got to settle this man on man, I think, uh, one way or the other. Uh, and this is what's going to blow you away, Tully Blanchard. I'm one day I'm going to have the big gold belt, I'm going to be the world champion. And your snivelly ass is not. Think about that. They're going to put the strap on me. You talk about desperation? I think that's desperation. Let's go to the ring. Uh, And now the Rock and Roll Express, if you listen to this back, you'll think, boy, there was a long pause for announcers there. But they had to edit out the Rock and Roll Express music because back then we used music that was uh, unlicensed to us. Yeah, real music. Real music. So this is – That's
1: that's, – did you notice Teddy Long catching I, a shirt there? Teddy Long the getting the jackets. Yep. <laughs> oh We've been spending too much time together. I knew what you were gonna say. <laughs> this uh this studio wrestling is is really, really a, a major part of wrestling, you know, through the sixties, the seventies, and particularly the eighties, where I think most of us uh really experienced the boom in professional wrestling and, and I'm not watching here yet, but even I Know that Studio Wrestling was a really big deal, and this particular studio. Tell us about it because we haven't really talked about it a ton here on what happened when. Uh, this is
2: the uh, studio in the uh, what we call the mansion at Turner Broadcasting, the the old TBS, and I'm sure that studio is still there. I would think it is, even though they have they have certainly built onto it. You know, with studios for the NBA and and uh, it's it's not where CNN is. That's downtown, but it's along Techwood Drive. And it was the old studio that they used to queue up out in front of. And if you go by Turner Broadcasting now, it's gated uh, and you really can't get in. And the way they've situated the roads, you can't drive by it like you used to. But if you still drive by there and slow down and look through the iron gates, you can still see the old mansion there, which was was, kind of gave, you know, it it was Ted Turner wanted that. It kind of gave it the southern feel because he was big into wrestling. He was big into the Braves and, and he was big into Gone with the Wind at that time. So the old Southern mansion Techwood drive the studio and now Jim Cornette and big Bubba. And let me say this, Tony Giovanni, I was in the back just now and I ate four Wendy's hamburgers triples all the way with onions, pickle, mayonnaise, and cheese. And right behind me is big Bubba. And if I have to shit today, which I will have to shit, let me say big Bubba here is going to wipe my ass because I run the company. I am one of the best talkers in the business. I have more videotapes than anybody else. I do not put up with any bullshit. That's right. My gut right now is full of three Wendy's hamburgers. And before it's all over with Tony Schiavone, I will take a big shit, and I might wipe my ass with my tie because that's what I want to do. I'm one of the greatest managers ever. Do you know that, Schiavone? Take a look at your nose. Holy shit, are you fucking ugly. But let me also say this, that behind me, Big Bubba Rogers who we pulled out. We said, this guy, Ray trailer, he looks pretty good. So just stand behind me and look like a big fucking goof. And by the way, we are going to later on this year, climb up top at the Omni during starcade on a scaffold. And I'm going to have big Bubba watch my back and catch me. That's right. If I fall off, Bubba will catch me. And I promise I won't have all those Wendy's in my gut. Come on, Bubba, let's leave. You know, do you notice how my makeup was kind of shiny here? I yeah. needed someone to powder my nose, I thought. There I, was a lot of
1: people powdering their nose in the back. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Woohoo! I, I I don't know if there's anything I can say about this, with the exception of look at these kids, huh? Even back then, the the love for Ric Flair and Ric Flair was a full fledged heel here, at least he tried to be, right?
1: By the way, let me just say, and I know people are going to say this is sucking up. Ric Flair presents like a star right here. Yeah. I mean, the the custom fitted suit, the, the gold Rolex, the diamond pinky ring, the big hair, not one out of place, uh, the brand new big gold belt, which had only been around for like four months. He looks like a star. You know, whether you when you saw this guy in real life, you knew that dude did something cool. And not only that, Conrad, uh, just the look
2: and the presence and the aura of Ric Flair was tremendous. But go back sometimes, listen to this one, and just listen to the Ric Flair interviews on this old set where I'm just holding the microphone. The best I, I, it's of all not an interview. I'm, hold, I'm holding the microphone. He was and and dusty's another one there's gonna be an interview with dusty was just an absolute master at being able to freestyle an interview there was nothing like it jim
1: Cornette was like that too this dusty interview on this show is is now in my top 10 favorites no question of all time and i had seen it once before on on a youtube clip but i didn't know that it was on this show and so once i sort of freestyled that this would be the show we were covering i knew there were a few other notable things on here but i didn't remember that promo my god what a promo i mean we're not doing this show real justice by talking over it and i know a lot of you guys wanted us to cover jcp and we're happy to do it but man we're talking over some great stuff here and you've got to go back and hear it studio wrestling you're not going to get a lot of ton a ton of great matches but this is when you guys were selling tickets man this is talking them into seats 101 is it not
2: yeah this was not about the wrestling at all that's why we had job matches. They're going. We're going to show Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes a little bit here, but we're going to show it to build an angle, bringing back Ole to the Four Horsemen. Which again, everybody asks me, and my favorite Four Horsemen is always the one with Oli in it. Uh, but
1: look at that! Look it at the that sign. That's the early days of the sign up right there, girls. What's in all this? It's 1986, <laughs> and these dudes have signs. How how awesome yeah, you, is that? I know, and and you know. uh, uh, I guess
2: if, uh, if this was a studio show today, they may have a Lois Rules sign out there, wouldn't you think?
1: Well, only if they wanted to get a great shirt and a call from Tony Schiavone, or they had a low-key big hog. <laughs>
2: or if they were a fan of Tommy Young. Or I can't say it like you can. Tommy
1: Young. Suckers got <laughs> you to know that dot uh, was not around yeah, in 1986. And- there was no dot coms. No, there wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I don't even, at this point, I wonder if Flair even knew what a computer was. I don't know that he knows today, actually.
2: (laughs) I'd like to see Flair on a computer. Can you imagine?
1: Can you imagine?
2: Oh, God. Anyway, this was, and and again, Dusty's in the back here now. Just let you behind the scenes. Dusty's in the back, and he is letting Flair go until he thinks it's time, and he'll tell the uh, director, Tommy Edwards, wrap him up. Check and out that Tommy role that's Tony.
1: I got things to do, Daddy. Woo! <laughs> and now here's
2: the Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez.
1: Hey, who's who's the referee here? Referee is
2: Randy Pee Wee Anderson.
1: You know, I was hoping you were going to say that because I had a debate with one of my friends this week, and I said, That's Pee Wee Anderson. They're like, No, it's not. And I was like, Yeah. Really? They're like, No, Pee Wee Anderson ain't that Peewee Anderson. I was like, Yeah, that's how time works. Look at Tony Shavani then and now, okay? Hey. Well, I mean you look at me here and I'm four. So right, okay. I'm considerably larger than when I was four.
2: <laughs> yeah, you are. Uh Ragin Bull Manny Fernandez was embroiled in this feud with uh Jimmy the Boogie Boogie Man Valiant, uh, and Paul Jones and uh Jimmy Valiant, uh, I think at this time had the mask over him, calling himself Charlie Brown or whatever, and uh and they were uh, uh, battling Paul Jones, who had the Barbarian, and also had a guy, and he's not going to be on the show, but they, they pulled this out, and I went, oh, my God, I forgot all about him. T. Joe Kahn was a member of Paul Jones' army back then. Uh, Baron Von Raschke was a member of Paul Jones's army back then. And, you know, just just great talent,
1: really. The um, Let's talk about the studio again. The flags Ooh. here, is this something that was up? I mean, was the ring and all the flags and all that, was that up sort of 24-7 in this space, or would y'all set it up the day before or day of?
2: Uh, the ring would, would be taken down, but the flag stayed up. And uh, those flags, if you go back to pre-us uh, doing the commentary, uh, then let me say, Tony Schiavone, that I may have a lot of heat with the boys, and I may have been at many times a guy who wouldn't tell the truth. But I got to tell you this. They gave me the move called the flying burrito. Do you think the flying burrito would work in 2018? I think not. As a matter of fact, every flying burrito I've seen, Dave Silva has eaten. But I ought to say this, that I may have some heat, but I'm going to live longer than most of these motherfuckers here. Woo, Tony Schiavone. Woo, the boogeyman. Oh, I don't have a mask on, you stupid son of a bitch. And I thought you watched it. I love you, Raging Bull Manny Fernandez. Tony Chimani, I love you. And I'll kiss you and slip your tongue here in just a minute. Paul Jones. Paul Jones. You cut my hair and you cut part of this beard. And I am still alive this day, too. Many of the guys have died, and they say, the boogeyman is not going to last long, but I may be only 90 pounds if you see me at the autograph sessions around the world now, but I'm still alive. And Paul Jones, this angle is going to last forever. That's right. People are going to get tired of me going after Paul Jones because it's going to last about four or five years. And Paul Jones, before this is over, I'm going to cut your hair. I'm going to make you look like a ball-headed geek, brother. And also, I like to say that I'm the one that came up with Shivanto, not Hulk Hogan. He said Shivanto later. I said Shivanto. Yeah. And I got in my hand the scissors, and I got the clippers. And if Paul Jones runs for me, Tony, I'm going to cut your pubic hair. That's right. I'll use the scissors and cut around the pubic hair. There's Paul Jones. There he is, that ball-headed geek. But I'd like to say people have also been saying, Tony, that you have a button on the fur coat. Well, I'll say this. Tony, I love you. You know I love you. I'll say this. If they want to see the button, I'll cut off the fur coat. And, Paul Jones, you'll be a ball-headed geek. All right. I'm going to get shaved a little bit later. You know, when when Jimmy Valle came out, uh, a lot of people would ask me, did you know when Jimmy would kiss you? I never knew it. He would just spring it on me. And, uh, most of the times it was a gimmick kiss, but sometimes he kissed me. Really? Yeah. Sometimes he actually
1: smooched me. Did he ever take you out to dinner?
2: Uh, no, he did not. But, uh, Jimmy was, uh, Jimmy's a good Jimmy. was. I always thought Jimmy was like, uh, just an old time hippie that, that got into wrestling. And, And, you know, if you go back and you see Jimmy Valiant, uh, uh, in earlier years, he was handsome, Jimmy Valiant. He was a very good-looking guy, yeah. And uh, he and Johnny Valiant, you know, of course, wrestled in the WWF, and uh, and uh, then he became the Boogeyman, and uh, and here is Dusty. Uh, I, and also uh, something to tell you, Dusty and Jimmy, uh, the boogey-woogie Man Valiant, were very tight at one time, and then Jimmy Valiant kind of uh, went out of favor with Dusty. What happened? I asked Dusty about that. I said, you're not using Valiant as much as you used to, and because the boogeyman thing was over. I mean, and, he's, and basically Dusty told me that Jimmy would go out and do what he wanted to do in the matches and wouldn't listen to anybody. In other words, he wanted to go out, uh, gouge him you know, with a thumb in the eye, with a headlock, and then do the elbow drop off the ropes and maybe do a two-minute match or a three-minute match and would not go as long as Dusty had wanted. So he really fell out of favor with Dusty because of that, uh, and and Dusty did some angles, you know, with Boogie Woogie Man as his uh, partner. So, uh, the life of a Booker. Uh, as I'm watching this now, Ric Flair is getting in the ring. Ric Flair is going to tell Tommy Young, "This is for the title," and it's something that we comp And I'm going back and I'm listening to it, Conrad, David, and I completely missed this, and we should have picked it up. And I, I'm thinking that. This is a case where we're not being produced as announcers are not telling us what to say. We're standing there holding the, the, uh, the microphones. And now Ric Flair said for this, for it's the title. And Tommy Oak said, yeah, it's for the title. Are you sure? Yes, it's for the title. We completely missed this as announcers. And we should have said that. Right. That would have made maybe just a, this match mean a little bit more. And, of course, this ended up being an angle for Ole Anderson to return. And uh, we're also going to see a great Four Horsemen promo here as well.
1: How, how, uh, and how great is Dusty keeping Flair at bay whenever Flair starts to charge at him all he does is just hold his elbow up and Flair stops dead in his tracks.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then Dusty had such charisma and such timing with the fans. He was a uh, look, Dusty was was not in great shape as other wrestlers go, but man, they loved him. They absolutely loved him and they believed him. I mean, they believed he was the American dream. They believed he was as tough as they come. The son of the plumber from Texas, all that stuff. And there's, I was listening to this commentary, and David was doing the play-by-play here. And David says, got him over. Watch him, Tony. Got him over. Takes him down. Oh, got him over. Watch him, Tony. Takes him down. Oh, that was, that was David's commentary. It was great, man. I loved it. But also, and this is 1986, puts you into perspective here, right? Uh, I had just finished doing baseball. I had been doing baseball since 1981. Uh, Lois and I had been married five, count them, five years, and already had three, count them three kids. And uh, I, I thought my, if you go back and listen to this, damn, my voice was phony. Phony as shit. I mean, it was like, hi, welcome to World Championship Rush Lane. Johnny Shavani and David Crockett. I'm, I'm what we call
1: a young I'm Johnny DJ. Come down to the building this <laughs> Sunday, Sunday,
2: Sunday. But, you know, what the fuck? It got me a job, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you my favorite radio announcer story ever? Yeah. That's... I'm from a little town in, in Alabama called Gunnersville and we had a couple of, like, really small radio stations, and there was a little store downtown called Fance and fance sold it was like an old general store of sorts. They had a little some clothing and I mean just everything. And they had this old man on the air who was my one of my very best friend's grandfather. And he would try to see if he could slip in something every now and again, just for me and my buddy. And so we're in like high school sophomores or juniors, and he's on the radio one morning and he says and be sure to go on down the fence this weekend, where they got women's panties half off and still coming down. Contact <laughs> uh, like Bill would love that, would he not? Uh, women's panties yeah. half off and still coming down. in uh, In 1980, in
2: 1980, which was the year I graduated uh, from college, uh, actually the fall of '79. I was working at a local radio station, and I did some announcing, but also ran the board. And we had this show called—it uh, was a college football scoreboard show called the Musical Scoreboard—and it was very popular. Had a couple of guys, and they played just college football fight songs underneath of them as they read down the scores. And of course, that's back before the internet, right? Right. So people tuned in to listen, check out the scores, and you would call in and say, uh, "What's the score of uh, Alabama and uh, in Georgia?" And uh, there was this guy, Bill Wise, he was called Coach Wise, longtime announcer, had one time been the voice of the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. And he would say, oh, that's uh, Georgia 50, Alabama nothing, something like that. And uh, there was one guy called him one time and he said, "Uh, give me the score of, uh, I don't know, Auburn and Sanford." And Coach Wise gave him the score and he said, give me another score. And right before he hung up, he said, oh, yeah, tell Coach Wise to suck my dick. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> right on the air and and uh, bill wise i mean just didn't lose a step he said i i had no idea what he was saying there i think he was talking about his mother
1: so so look at here the match is coming to a disqualification end tully blanchard Arn anderson in the ring giving the business to dusty here comes Ole. man this is classic stuff here is it not yeah and this
2: is only coming back from an injury where he was uh, on the shelf for a little while, so he have, having him coming back was a big deal, and this was a big surprise for uh, you know for Dusty Rhodes. Now remember, they're coming out of the, this is the year wow coming out of putting Dusty in that cage, breaking the leg. Remember of of the gathering in Starcade '85. So again, the angle is is again pushed right towards Dusty, and again Dusty had some heat back then with the boys because they always thought that Dusty was the major part of the angles with the top heels, which he was, and it worked. It it may have gone too long. I mean, I I would agree that maybe they did some of it It may have gone too long, but uh, here's Arn Anderson. And uh, uh, again, uh, this kid, I always said, I said, you may say you're from Minnesota, but you open your mouth, you're from Rome, Georgia, buddy. And he was talking about here. I don't want to toot my own horn, one of my favorite ones, but toot, toot. He's going to say here, Arne Anderson was a tremendous interview. And uh, this was the horsemen coming back together again. Again, I know a lot of people like Wyndham, a lot of people like Luger. Obviously, when Paul Rome became a part of the horsemen, he went down the shitter. Uh, but this was the best incarnation of the four horsemen by far. And i tell you why it was. In a minute, you're going to see Ole Anderson do an interview and there was nobody in my mind, nobody in my mind more believable on their interviews than Ole Anderson.
1: Ole Anderson here is being referred to by Arn as the Rock. Right. Uh, this is, of course, years and years and years before Dwayne Johnson, but that was certainly the nickname. And what a famous promo this is. This is just moments after the attack on Dusty Rhodes that we just saw. And I think everybody remembers this promo. Because of the words that, that is going to say, and then the little hands in the middle celebration all time is only Anderson, the most underrated promo. I mean, I feel like there's so many younger fans who don't really appreciate, like everybody talks about how Arn Anderson was an underrated promo because it was an era of realism, but before Arn was doing it, Oli was doing it. Uh, underrated
2: on a national level. No question on a regional level, I think anybody who was,
1: uh, Oh no, even Dick Bourne. No, but I'm saying like people who grew up, you know, say the NWO fans, they probably don't have a lot of experience with this promo. You need to go watch this. This is one of the better promos of the year.
2: Yeah. this is one of the better promos ever on. And it's, it's funny that we would pick out this, this actual episode, because we're going to see in this episode what made us what we were, the great promos from Oli Anderson and you mentioned from the American Dream Dusty Rhodes as well. Oli said it's not going to be over till one of us is dead.
1: And buried. And then yeah.
2: they, they had to edit that thing out, basically, now, on here, the network.
1: Here's my question. Did One of us is dead and buried. It aired on JCP TV. They just clipped it out on the network version.
2: That's right. Yes, yeah. it did.
1: I mean, no, look, we didn't
2: give a shit. We, we, uh, we played copyrighted music, and uh, we said it going to be dead. And uh, we were just, uh, you know, uh, does J.J. look like he's going to be fall asleep
1: there? He shouldn't. By the way, J.J. looks the exact same age today. Doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, it, the only difference is he wears glasses more often now. But otherwise, J.J. has been 55 since he was 25. <laughs> I would agree. And there's the four horsemen together. And Arn Anderson uh, there. Arn Anderson looks the same as he does now. Arn Anderson there, fun fact 19 years old, looks 45.
2: <laughs> All right. So there it was. And we come back to Arn Anderson to put uh, a stamp on this interview. Uh, listen, this is uh, these this promo, these years, uh, starting with really 85, 86, 87. That's made the horsemen what they were, man. I love that song, man. Seriously, I love that song.
1: I know we were kidding. Arn Anderson here's 27 years old. 27? Isn't that crazy? All right, all right, Tony. So uh, we just heard from Arn
2: Anderson, uh, and and uh, the the Russians. Now we're going to talk about Magnum Ta, who has been stripped of the U.S. title, and we put Bob Geigel, an old ball-headed motherfucker from uh, Kansas, in there. We said, you be the president of the N.W.A. because nobody else wants it. Bob, will you come and do an angle with us? And, 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 okay, uh, David, let me talk here. And, 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 uh, uh, and okay, <laughs> yeah, I got, I got it, David. Uh, anyway, uh, we're going to show you that Bob Geigel uh, uh, was a reprimanding Magnum T.A., and here's what happened. So we recorded this in Kansas City, by the way. Uh, and there's Rick Stewart, who did a couple of shows with me, who was the announcer for uh, Central States Wrestling back then. Bob Geigel, who's, and we always laughed about this, his glasses never fit his big head. Never knew why, but they could never get him down over his ears. Never get him down. Uh, I like this cutaway shot they're going to, uh, they're going to give uh, to Magnum uh, TA here in a minute. And Magnum was a stone cold man, big time, baby face matinee idol. See, there's the cutaway shot. Uh, and you'll also know, uh, you'll, you'll see here, when uh, Bob Geigel gets in his face, Magnum <laughs> TA is going to hit him. And God,
1: what are you laughing about? That cutaway shot was just not even remotely the fucking <laughs> same. Like, <laughs> everything yes. about that's wrong. It's just hilariously bad.
2: And you know what's, what's hilarious about it is that everything they did in Central States Wrestling was a one-camera shoot. So that was us. I think we sent Wayne Daniel there to do this. And so Wayne said, we got to have a second shot. So stand over here, Magnum, and shake your head and look. And uh, that's exactly what happened. So Bob Geigel gets to his face. He says, a United States champion is expected to keep himself in good conduct at all times. Let that be noted. And he hit the motherfucker. Wow. So there. And see how David's smiling? David's a fan, like us, right? David's saying, hit the motherfucker uh so david's reactions i thought were priceless they're absolutely priceless and i also like to say my hair looked fucking great there didn't it
1: yeah i mean, I this, mean this is back when you were bathing on a regular basis long 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 time ago now I'm, look at bob Geigel. look for these
2: coke bottle glasses here it's man fucking mr magoo <laughs> yes it is <laughs> or it's it's uncle festus one of the two i don't know but it, i'm serious yeah, you yeah.
1: slap a pair of glasses on mr magoo and it's fucking bob geigle <laughs> Uh,
2: Bob Geigel was a good guy. Uh, I had, uh, I had dinner and lunch with him a couple of times. Uh, but in a public setting look at them eyes in a public setting, he really didn't have much to say. So now they, they stripped Magnum TA of the United States heavyweight championship here, which leads to an angle that during the great American bash, which I had initially forgotten. And then, uh, my memory was jogged, the, uh, the very uh, last year one time, which led to the best of seven for the vacated United States Heavyweight Championship, which was pretty damn cool. And now I'm talking to Nikita Koloff and Nikita's and uncle, God, uncle God. Ivan, here I am. I shaved my head. I disowned my family. I am going to really change my name to Ivan Koloff. And then years later, I'm going to become a preacher and grow my hair back. The Simpson family back in Golden, Minnesota, they have disowned me, but I don't care. I've become a big star, and I don't bathe that much either, right, Uncle Ivan? But let me say that I do make a little bit of money with the Crockett family, but my money's going to be made at Amway. Amway, as Jim Crockett Promotions, head of uh, Jim Crockett Promotions, I'm Jim Crockett, Jr. Don't talk about Amway. We're talking about pro wrestling here, and here's what we're going to do. I don't know where the camera is. Uh, But I'm going to tell you that we are going to have a best of seven, four out of seven tournament for the U.S. heavyweight title. And Ivan, stop talking about Amway. We don't care you're selling Amway. I always thought it was a pyramid scheme. I know it's not, but you need to talk about professional wrestling when you're here on the set. And that's all I got to say. Well, let me say that Amway does make great hair products. I don't use the hair products. I don't use the shampoo, I don't use the conditioner, but I do use a nice oil on my ball head to help uh, heal the scars from the many different blade jobs that I've done. And I also want to say this, that as we go along here, I am really from Canada, and I'm really a nice guy. And if you got to know me in person, you would say, I can't believe he actually comes across as a Russian bear. That's all I have to say, and as Ben Von Resky would say, that's all the people need to know, by the way, by Amway. Thank you.
1: You know, this whole time I had no idea that he was in Amway. I just learned he something. was in Amway and Paul Jones was in Amway and cowboy Ron Bass was, they were all big in Amway. You know, my, uh, my grandfather was double diamond in Amway. How about that? Well, uh, what did double diamond
2: mean? mean I the don't Top know. of the
1: Apparently list. Apparently it means he's a big shit. They would like, fly all over the country to speak to people and whatnot. Wow. Then that I means, you know, they, uh, I've used
2: some of their products. I love their products to be honest with you. It's, that's not a gimmick, but, uh, you apparently can make some money in Amway. This is not a commercial for Amway, by the way.
1: Yeah. I don't even really know what Amway is. You know, that all happened with uh, my fam jam long before I was four years old. Yeah.
2: All right. Now Tully and Arne, the horseman, uh, You know, you you, you talked about Ole Anderson being a very underrated promo. Right. I think Tully Blanchard was a very underrated worker. I think he was one of the great workers that we had. And that's because he was a great athlete. You know, former quarterback, as we always talked about, from, I believe, West Texas State. Uh, He was just a great athlete. And, oh, man, spine. or don't like that Arn Anderson spine buster, buddy. Woo! Uh, But, uh I I thought, I think Tully is, is a very underrated worker.
1: Oh, I don't think anybody disagrees with that. One of the all time greats for sure. And that's worth mentioning. Uh, he'll be available for photo ops and he's going to do a little war games retrospective with JJ Dillon, Lex Luger and road warrior animal at Starcast.
2: Congratulations uh, uh, to you for getting Tully to do that.
1: That's quite a coup
2: that is quite a coup uh who is going to be uh beside jj to to keep him awake uh that Mitch and, that midget rich Botini, or yeah, going to try to keep him awake
1: i don't know who can keep up with with rich Bokini? you know we were making fun of uh crockett's commentary earlier i was like well it could be worse it could be fucking rich Bokini. Hmm.
2: well we, we would have had rich Bokini, but we wouldn't have been able to see him over the dais there how great is this tell
1: us what's going on yeah. here
2: uh this is the uh, promo for the great american bash uh, paratrooper and you see the shot this shot is from charlotte north carolina and the first great american bash at old memorial stadium uh, ricky morton and uh, rick flair i believe wrestled in that one uh and uh, or maybe it would come up but we took the great american bash now starting in, in, in july we took the great american bash all around uh we took the bash to philadelphia we took it to the rfk philadelphia Veterans stadium rfk uh, we took it at Jacksonville at the Gator Bowl. We took it at the Orange Bowl in Miami. Uh, we took it at the Fulton County Stadium in Atlanta. We went to the Greensboro Coliseum in Indoors. Uh, we went to Memphis and the Liberty Bowl. And I went on. I went the entire tour. I went the entire tour uh, and did some ring announcing. And I want to tell you, it's it's one of the most memorable summers of my life. And also, I got a chance to talk to Waylon Jennings. They took me to Nashville and had a chance to talk to Waylon Jennings and Waylon was very, very good. He was very entertaining, very gracious, but he really got pissed off at us uh, during the Great American Bash. Why? Wow. Because it, well, it's it was in his. I look kind of fat here, don't you think? I think it's the beginning of what I am right now. Got that, ro- that belly roll, and a fat guy should never wear horizontal lines. Conrad, keep that in mind. Um. But there anyway, so here's a story about Waylon Jennings. He was very pissed off at us because as we're discussing here and he's talking about, oh, I've been in some stadiums where I think me and the band uh, outnumbered the fans. And uh, sometimes my voice would ring around in the stadium uh, and uh, and no one was there. Well, he thought and we made it seem like that we were going to sell out every place. And we did have some big crowds, but Memphis, Tennessee, no. Jacksonville, Florida, the Gator Bowl, no. Uh, Miami and the Orange Bowl, no. Big crowds, but sellouts, no. So he was upset that he thought, and I guess he got paid, I don't know if he got paid on, based on gate receipts or got a flat fee or what, but he thought everything would be a sellout. And we were in Jacksonville, the Gator Bowl, and you heard thunder rumble in the back. And he's, he got up on stage for like maybe 10 minutes. And he said, well, sounds like there's a thunderstorm getting ready to hit us. So we're going to get out of here so we don't get wet. And that was it. He left. And it never rained. Uh, and so uh, I thought Whalen was a cool motherfucker. But he was really upset with World Championship Wrestling during the summer of 1986
1: he was upset because of thunder
2: he was up no no he was upset because there was nobody at the gator bowl that day
1: well but here's my thing i mean it's been written that and i, I don't know exactly what his deal is but that you know listen let's just say it like it is dusty had overspent and because dusty overspent the they couldn't sustain it and the, you know they just spent more than they were bringing in so the idea there is he probably got a cut like like not a cut but like a flat fee not a percentage and if that's the case then i don't know what he'd be upset about like you're not spending too much if everyone's being paid commensurate to what ticket sales are is what i'm saying
2: well you know i i I put it this way he's like any other uh, entertainer uh that you do much better with a full house i would think yeah Than you do with just a couple of butts in the seats uh so i uh uh, I think he was,
1: uh, we also had George Jones. <laughs> here's, uh, the, here's the thing too. He's yeah. mad at WCW or NWA or Jim Crockett promotions, whoever he's mad at. He's mad that his name on the marquee didn't draw more people. Right. I mean, isn't that little had silly. Jesse,
2: yeah, he and Jesse Coulter, uh, you know, we went to, uh, we went to Memphis at the Liberty Bowl, right. and I'm telling you, Conrad, if we drew a hundred people, I would be surprised. Oh shit, really? Oh, it was it
1: uh, was brutal. Those people were it just was, super loyal to to Lawler and Jarrett and all that, right? Yeah, and I also had heard, and, and fans may know this, watching the show. I
2: also heard that uh, that because we were there, that Lawler and Jarrett ran a free show that day.
1: Oh, I'm sure to go up against us. Look at this shit.
2: You know, I I thought I thought that Nicola Roberts and she had Sam Houston's hat on right there because her and Sam were a thing. Uh, I thought she was as sexy as any woman I'd ever seen. She was she was she was she. uh, Now, here's this interview. And I'm telling you,
1: the interview like top 10 all time, probably for me now. Yeah, I know.
2: And uh, you know, I like it better than the hard times interview, which is what he's known for. No, I, guess, I, right?
1: I, I agree. I mean, that hard times is his spilt liquor, but this one here, man, something else. Yeah. Talk us through it. Not everybody's watching when we are. Well,
2: uh, he's talking about if you're black, green, yellow, and never mattered to the American dream, he's always went on television and said, I believe one way. I believe the other. He's a bigger than life. He's a redneck. He's nothing more than Ole Anderson laid up in Wisconsin. So he gets into Ole Anderson and starts talking about Ole here, and they're starting an angle between he and Oli Anderson, of course, or he and the horseman here. But he's also talking about Dusty roads through the years, and he's talking about doesn't matter what color you are, you've always believed in the American dream, Dusty roads. You've always watched me on television. And he kind of brought everything together. He kind of make you, he would. you would watch this interview and I know people watch this interview and I know it didn't matter. He, t- he always talked about when he would say, it doesn't matter what color you are. Red. He was always put green in there, red, green, black, white. It didn't matter. He would draw those people in, man. He would make them listen and they would say, fuck yeah. Hell yeah. That motherfucker may be a, may be big and fat, but he's just like me. He's just like me. And that's what made Dusty Rhodes and his interviews magical. He said, I'm going to go over here and tell this kid, because what color he is, there's not an American dream that you can't reach out in life like Dusty Rhodes did on television. at the end of a lightning bolt, now he got into his cliches. End of a lightning bolt, offer up my innocence, was another thing that he would say. And he would just throw those cliches together. And nurturing my wounds was another cliche. Uh, and he would throw those together, and people would go, fuck, man, that guy was tremendous. Please, everybody, go back and make note of this time and watch this interview again.
1: With something else, watch man.
2: It, yeah, watch it a couple of times. This interview, I'm telling you, this interview rings true for pro wrestling, and I want to tell you right now, this interview rings true for life. Leave no stone unturned. Leave no rock not thrown. No glass broken. I mean, just... Uh, And he did this in the studio earlier in the day before they let the people in. And now we're going to see the debut of Todd champion.
1: Uh, I loved when he, my favorite part of the whole promo is when he's talking about, you know, it, it, it was always supposed to be me and you. And if it's anybody, I'm glad it's you talking about Ole Anderson, that's good stuff, man. Yeah. It's worth it. And
2: uh, for you old school guys out there who say it's not what it used to be. Wrestling's not what it used to be, yeah, you're right. And there's a perfect example because you don't have things like that anymore. Again, these matches meant nothing. They meant nothing. They were job matches. We did a little bit try to put over Todd Champion. He played football at Utah. He was a real strong kid and and Nikita gave him a little bit, as you can see. He he would uh he push back and but uh, it, these, these things meant nothing. Just enhancement. And guess what? Enhancement matches back then worked. Oh, of course. They, they could work Drew now. Drew numbers.
1: They could work now. You're trying, yeah, to get, yeah, that's right. you're trying to get a guy over and trying to show what he's capable of and, you know, show off some of his, uh, his hot moves and what's his finish and all that stuff. Yeah. T-
2: tell me, where do you think it all changed over? Of course, you were very young then.
1: Monday Night Raw. You know, when Monday Night Raw came and then Nitro came, it became a situation where you guys didn't feel like you could show as many enhancement matches. You know, you still had a lot of enhancement matches on Raw, but then you'd have like one, you know, competitive main event. And then Nitro came along, and before you know it, everything had to be, you know, names against each other.
2: Right. There's something else. There's, There's another element here that I wanted to talk about. Uh, because this is the year before Jim Ross arrived, and when Jim Ross started doing the broadcast with us, uh, Jim was always a big proponent of less enhancement matches and more main event type matches to get the fans to watch. Because Jim, you know, went out and went to television stations and talked to television, uh, and this is before World Championship Wrestling. You know, he went out and and got these stations for Bill Watts. So he was a big proponent of that, and he always pushed for it. And I don't know how much influence he had with Jimmy Crockett back then, maybe none, but I remember talking to JR, and JR said, man, these these enhancement matches are not doing us any good at all. So he believed in that before it's time. So maybe if you start watching uh, the later editions of WCW, World Championship Wrestling, you'll see more and more real matches than just enhancement matches. And I don't know how much of an impact he had, but I do know he was a, he was really big into that. And he really was very vocal about it when he first arrived. And that's my thought on that. There's this Russian sickle. I don't know. Russian sickle was tremendous. Of course he didn't put it on too well because he's, he's working with a lug here, but uh, that was one of the most, I mean, Nikita Kolov was a fucking super heel. Look at those traps. Good God.
1: No, I mean look, he's he could have been the original Goldberg. Yeah. No question.
2: And now with Tully Blanchard. Here's another thing. Tully Blanchard, you know, uh, uh click, 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 there with the TVs. It's JJ Dillon. Rich Bikini, right now we thought we'd have Rich here, but you wouldn't be able to see Rich in this camera shot, just maybe the top of his head. So I thought, do I want to do a podcast? Yes, I do want to do a podcast. And I'm going to talk about the old days of Jim Crockett Promotions. I'm going to talk about, uh, where was I? Tony, do you got any Prevagen? You know, they have the uh, they have that stuff from Jellyfish, and it helps old people in their brain. And if you got any, help me out, because I forgot where I was. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I'm working down in Florida. Wait a minute. No. I'm working at world-class wrestling. Right. Totally. I'm working at world – no. Wait a minute. I go to work for Vern Gagne. Hold on. Uh, What's my name? When you get old, man, and you have early-onset dementia like I got, the only thing you can do is go and do a podcast (sighs) and lull people to sleep like I am. Like I am. And the only reason I'm out here is, well, then I was down in Florida. No, I went to Pensacola. I went to that territory. No, no, no. I worked for Jared a little bit. No. What was I fucking talking about? What you were talking about, JJ, is world championship wrestling. And I'm the national heavyweight champion. sure, I'm a little difficult to deal with. But here's the rub. My daughter, Tessa, is going to end up being one of the big stars in women's wrestling. And right now, we don't even allow women in the ring here. No, we don't. Maybe we'll bring in Misty Blue and her porn stars hmm. now and then to become wrestlers. But no, we're not going to allow women's wrestling because here in 1986, we're over that. We're sexist. We're the four horsemen. No women's wrestling. But once my daughter grows up and is raised by Magnum TA, that's right. There's the... Kicker for you, is raised by Magnum T.A., she's going to become a big star. And the only thing i got to say is that, praise the Lord, we're going to hand out the collection plate, and I'm going to save you before this year is over. J.J., if you'll wake up, if you'll grab Rich Bikini underneath this uh, dais here, we'll bring him with us. And the fact is, is that next time we end up coming back here, that's right, we're going to pass the collection plate, Tully. All right, there's Reverend Tully Blanchard and J.J. Dillon. Isn't that a, a weird story? Uh, you know, I talked to Tessa. She calls Magnum Ta Dad because he raised her. And Tully and Magnum had one of the great feuds of all time.
1: It's out of the a I lo- quit match. It's out of a movie, and I can't wait until they tell that story when she's a part of WWE. Can you imagine the video packages they'll be able to put together? Wow, it'll be, un- they- be
2: unbelievable. Yeah, because they uh, they uh, use real life now the WWE. Uh, and make that part of an angle or they can't, or make that, they just, they, they just need content. Uh, you know, first thing I noticed, Magnum TA was so good looking, had such a great rap. He looked right into the camera. He captivated you with his eyes by looking at the camera, but I couldn't get over the gig because he was so old school. He had the gig marks. I mean,
1: it's crazy. It's the first, when we watched it at my house, it was the first thing I said, I said, look at this gig mark. I mean, And by the way, that shirt right there, I'm going to need you to wear that to one of our live shows.
2: The Harley Davidson Eagle shirt.
1: Yeah, I need that. Okay. Let me see if I can get on uh, eBay. I mean, I need you to wear it and I need it to be like his size. So you'll be, you look like a busted can of biscuits in it. It'll be awesome. <laughs> busted can of biscuits. Yeah. That could be a new shirt. Over at lowest rules.com. I stole that from Cassio kid, by the way. Well, sh- holy shit. Still- I found the shirt. You did? Yeah, we're not getting it, though. It was $499. You know
2: what? Uh, Terry and I still talk. Maybe he's got it. He'll let me use it.
1: I can't believe I found that. I mean, I don't, well, want, it well, well, I don't want it that bad. Is but it still. is
2: a Harley-Davidson shirt or is it a Magnum TA shirt? It's a Harley-Davidson
1: shirt, the one I found. And it's a size XL, so you would look fantastic in it. I would look like a busted can of biscuits. That's a good line, <laughs> is it not? I love it. <laughs> I stole that straight from Cassio. Good. Keep stealing shit from him, man. By the way, he's going to be a part of uh, a with you and Ron Funches at StarCast. Have you watched any botchamania before? Yeah, I, I started watching some of it. So Matthew, it's very well done. Matthew is going to create our own custom never before seen hour long greatest hits version. Oh, by the way, how about, how about what's going on right here? Can you describe what's happening right here? Okay.
2: Uh, Pistol Pez Watley, or as he liked to call himself, Shaska, and I'll tell you the backstory behind that, has a lock of Jimmy Valiant's hair that he puts in his hat, and the Barbarian and Paul Jones with the riding crop, trying to look like Hitler here, uh, are in the ring in this tag team match. And, of course, this is to further the, uh, the Paul Jones, Jimmy Valiant angle, which went on forever. Uh, and here is... One of the biggest meatheads of all time, Gary Sabal, Gary Cortinelli, the Italian stallion. anybody ever knew him? He was a likable guy, but man, if they've ever, uh, if you've ever looked at, as, as the oak cliche goes, look in the dictionary the word meathead, and you'll see his picture. Good God. Uh, we got Paul Jones uh, talking a little box here with his riding crop. Paul, of course, has recently passed away. Here's a story about uh, Shaska Watley, uh, and this is how stupid we were. Uh, and <laughs> Pez was a good guy, but he turned on Jimmy Valiant because there was a promo that Jimmy Valiant said, he and, uh, and I think I was holding the microphone, uh, where he said, uh, Pistol Pez Watley is the greatest black athlete out there. And when he said the word black, Pez got pissed off and nailed Jimmy Vine and walked off. So he became instead of Pistol Pez Watley, he became Shaska Watley. But it was a mispronunciation of what he intended. He intended to be like uh, the Zulu King Shaka, whatever Shaka the Zulu King. Yeah, Shaka. Instead Zulu. of calling himself Shaka, he called himself
1: Shaska, and it stuck. <laughs> Shaska. he he was supposed to be like shaka like shaka zulu shaka zulu right but he's shaska he's shaska wow
2: and i would tell pez i said you know uh shaka zulu and shaska are kind of two different things and he said well i'm i'm different than shaka zulu i said yeah you certainly are buddy and so that was it that's where he came up with shaska from
1: did you ever imagine Uh, when you started listening to this episode today that we were going to talk about shaka zulu (laughs) yeah when i
2: saw when i saw shaska i thought i gotta tell that story (laughs) shaska oh boy uh we're gonna see of course a a little uh incident here where they come in and they cut uh shaska's hair uh how fucking uh jacked up and uh, tough does a barbarian look here too man
1: dude I mean, I feel bad for Tommy Young here, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> Motherfucker had no choice. No. Come jack me off. You better, because
2: he'd come over and grab you. And uh, there's our picture of Paul Jones, the ball-headed geek once again. And uh, uh, just, a, just good shit. I mean, look, this show was – think about it, how many
1: angles this show had in it. Right. That, that You know, I know that uh, a lot of people think that – we're, so, we're sort of random with the way we pick shows every now and again, but this one is jam packed, dude. I mean, you're trying to build the great American bash and you've got Ole Anderson coming back. It's just, you know, people getting their hair cut. It's one angle after another on this one.
2: Ole Anderson coming back the Paul Jones, Jimmy Valiant angle. Some people shit on it. Some people liked it. I thought it was very good. Uh, I thought it went too long. Uh, you also had the Magnum T.A. Russian uh, Nightmare Nikita Koloff angle in the best of seven on this. We're going to see the James Boys come out or the James Gang. I don't know. What, I can't remember which one it was, which were, were Dusty and Magnum in a mask come back out. We're going to see a Wahoo McDaniel, Jimmy Garvin angle. Still, to There were just so much. And they were promoting the Great American Bash. And they did these angles. I thought they did these angles such justice that when you went to the Great American Bash, you saw everything. Yeah. He saw all these angles, and that's why there were some bashes like, for instance, Greensboro, they sold out. Charlotte, the stadium, they sold out. Uh, Atlanta, Fulton County Stadium, they had a big, big crowd. This was a time where uh, Dusty beat Rick Flair at the end of this Great American Bash in Greensboro and turned around, and Rick beat him in Fulton County Stadium to win the title back at the end of the Great American Bash. If any of our fans were watching it back then, you'll remember that. So I uh, uh, yeah loved wrestling back then and and this Conrad I, I gotta say that uh, as we get the one two three here and we're gonna see the angle uh, I I gotta say that watching this really put a smile on my face. Here comes the Rachel Bull Manny Fernandez and then here comes Jimmy the Boogie Woogie Man Valiant in the ring. Uh, but this brought a smile to my face. Sometimes we watch nitros and I go eh or eh God we did that eh but I smiled during the entire hour and 45 minutes to two hours whatever it took to watch this show had a smile on my face brought back some great very fond memories thank you for that
1: you're welcome sir
2: (laughs) because you know sometimes i got so much going on in my life that i just don't pause and enjoy my life and (laughs) (sighs) thank you
1: does um jimmy valiant's tights uh, do they on the back (laughs) read chewbacca (laughs) probably
2: so (laughs) oh god probably so Uh, now they're good they see they would just come to the set right afterwards man they would do an angle and they would they would come to the set and here is one of the baddest ass motherfuckers ever have you heard the story about when he walked between two towns uh, just to get a case of beer or something have you heard that story no no a legendary story in Oklahoma when he was in college uh, that uh, they didn't sell beer in this one county or something, so he walked like 50, 60 miles to get a case of beer and walk back on a dare or something like that. You may have, uh, There may be uh, some fans out there that know this legendary story, but I had often heard it, that that was the type of guy he was. He was just as tough as they come. And of course, I, I thought it was a very good angle because he was a tough, legitimate guy. And gorgeous Jimmy Garvin had all the glitter. He had Precious. And, you know, she fluffed up his hair, and he was kind of prissy. And she always sprayed the uh, uh, the perfume or whatever it was. A hairspray. Uh, the hairspray. The and, hairspray and whatever. And so I thought it was a very good angle. Uh, and here's another cool thing about what's going to happen here. Wahoo's going to go to the ring and – there's going to be these guys dressed up like Ric Flair. We saw them earlier, right? They were all with ties and yep. suits and Ric Flair signs. He is going to give them just absolute shit during the entire match. And they love it. Yes, they do. But, I mean, he was like, man, he was like, he was like cussing their ass out. Uh, and it was actually kind of funny. Uh, uh, we didn't really pick, up, pick it up on the air. You go back, you listen to it, you're not going to hear what he says. But he's starting right there. You see that?
1: You know what I realized looks- when I watched this this week? You know how we've joked before that Samoa Joe is the only Samoan and that's not related to the rock. There's like the rock and Yokozuna and wild Samoan and afa and Sikh, And all those are somehow related, you know, right. the Usos and Rikishi and what, and then there's Samoa Joe. Yeah. Pretty sure. Wahoo McDaniel Samoa Joe's dad, <laughs> Got the same kind of nose. Well, I'm just saying he's a big, thick motherfucker. Chopping mm-hmm. people to death, taking—I right. no, mean, taking no prisoners, kicking ass, old yep. school. I mean, look, that's, that's Wahoo Joe right there.
2: And Wahoo used to have this, and we all laughed about it and gave him a hard time about it. Wahoo, you know, colored his hair. I mean, look how no. jet black this hair is, right? No, really. <laughs> but he had a spray. He had a spray black that he sprayed on the top of it, <laughs> and would cover up his bald spot. With that black stuff.
1: You know, there's, so, there's a rumor that one of our listeners, who's on TV pretty regularly, that he may actually use a little spray on top. Really? Yeah. Are you going to divulge his name? No, not on air. Okay. Come on, we give everybody shit. We make fun of every, okay, we. This might we, actually be a sensitive spot for someone, though, and he's a friend of ours, so I'm not going to shit on him on something he's... Hmm. Like, if I know there's a real sensitive spot, I won't pick at it. Right. No, I won't. You know, we're talking about <laughs> Lois being a drunk. She's not really a drunk. No, she's not. And J.J. Dillon's, you know, podcast doesn't really put you to sleep. Nope. But, you know, uh, thanks to Big Booty Judy,
2: Lois ordered some moonshine uh, in these mason jars. Man, came the
1: house. that Big Booty Judy is a bad influence. Yeah, and Lois,
2: I'd say this, she's not a drunk, but she got a a box of six mason jars of moonshine. It didn't last long.
1: She knocked out all six bottles?
2: She knocked them all down. She sure did. And I thought at least, man, I would come home one night and she had been in the moonshine and, you know, I would get lucky. Not so much. But nope. Yeah. Nope, nope, nope. She drank so much a couple of nights that she just kind of fell asleep.
1: Well, I mean, what's wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> what?
2: Oh, as Lois said, Tony slept through birth, I slept through conception. Oh, my uh, God. She, she tells that joke all the time. That is such a great line. <laughs> Don't you think? yeah i do yeah that's that's one of her lines because when chris was born it took all night and i kept falling asleep and so she said yeah he slept through birth i slept through conception so doesn't say a lot about you but
1: it's a great line
2: notice how wahoo when he puts him in the backbreaker which is going to be the finish and he put the he did that like so he could talk to those people in the front row now he rolls out and says something to it and Wahoo was like fuck all you guys fuck you fuck you and they're all laughing Uh, Love Wahoo, man. Absolutely loved him. And because I was a big fan of his growing up, it was such a treat for me to be able to work with him, too. All right. You can't get enough of Jim Cornette once. You're going to get enough of Jim Cornette again. Okay. I just finished shitting Tony Schiavone, and I want to let you know, it was a long, greasy turd. It came out my ass, and I had a towel, so I did wipe my ass. I'm going to go back to Wendy's and get three more triple cheeses with mayonnaise and... Lettuce and tomato and mayonnaise. I know Bruce Pritchard knows more about it, as he would say, Goddamn, motherfucker, or something like that. Uh, but I got Big Bubba here with me, and people don't really know how big and wide my ass is underneath this dais. Come on, Bubba, let's go to the ring, because we're going to have the Midnight Express come out. And you know what, Conrad? I, I, I really forgot how much I really like Dennis Condry as a wrestler until I watched this
1: again. You know, I don't know that we've talked about this before, but here's a little uh, fun fact for you. Bobby Eaton, of course, a Huntsville native, graduated from Lee High School here in town. But uh, even now, Dennis Condry lives, I don't know, like a mile from my parents, off the same street as my parents. Really? How about that? I, I didn't realize that until a few years ago when he got put into the Hall of Heroes at the NWA Legends Fan Fest in Charlotte, North Carolina. I was seated one table behind him, but I didn't know that was him because he was wearing like a, you know, blue jeans and a denim shirt and an Alabama cap. So I couldn't really, and I'm sitting behind him, so I can't see his face or anything like that. Well, when he gets up to accept his award, he turns around and we like lock eyes for a minute. And I thought, well, that was weird. That looked like Dennis Condry. And then he goes on stage and I'm like, holy shit, I've been sitting by Dennis Condry this whole time. So anyway, at the end of the dinner, he stands up, And when he, uh, like scoots his chair under and turns around and says, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad Thompson. And I just looked at him like, what the fuck? And he's like, Hey man, I live off of uh, a duck. Well, I won't say the road. So he tells me and I'm like, Holy cow. My parents live there. So that entire time I'd been advertising my mortgage company here in Huntsville, I would start all of my ads the same way I do the shows here. Hey, Hey, it's Conrad Thompson. And when he hit me with that, I'm like, I can't believe this is real. He's like, yeah, my wife spotted you. We see you on TV every morning, blah, 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 blah. So who knew? And he told me exactly where he lives. And he lives literally less than one mile from where my parents live. And I had no idea that two of, uh, I guess, the two most iconic members of the Midnight Express have Huntsville ties. Small world.
2: Yeah, it is a small world. And uh, again, Dennis Condry, uh, no disrespect to Stan Lane. But to me, Dennis Conjure was a man. And, of course, Dennis didn't last with him because he and uh, the Crockett's didn't see eye-to-eye on payoffs. And I, and I really think that uh, – I don't know what the true story is, but I really think it have, had to do with uh, uh, being up on the scaffold. Really? Yeah. I remember I talked to Dennis about it. I said, uh, God, you guys are going to be up on that scaffold. It's so dangerous. You, you, you're certainly going to have to get a, a, a good payoff. He said, oh, we're going to have to get a good payoff or they're not going to see my ass around here any longer. So I don't know what the payoff was. It probably wasn't what Dennis wanted. Uh, And uh, Dennis eventually moved on. I don't know really when he left the Midnight Express, uh, but it wasn't too long after this.
1: And when he left, he just fucking left. I mean, nobody knew he was gone or where he was going or when he's coming back or i mean it was a crazy 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 deal um i guess it's worth mentioning that he leaves in early 87 just literally overnight no notice or anything he briefly pops up in uh, the awa in 87 and then has a a return here in 88 89 and then did a, a few things for continental in 89 and 90 and and that's pretty much it where yeah Probably like March, April ninety, somewhere in there. He's like, Yeah, I'm out of here.
2: Yeah, see that coincides with that coincides with early nineteen eighty seven, coincides with Starcade, Night of the Skywalkers, Thanksgiving, the end of nineteen eighty six. Yeah. So he gets a shitty payoff. He probably grumbles about it, and he and Crockett cannot come eye to eye and he's gone. He just walks out. Because listen, I agree with him you know uh and, and i know wrestlers these days with hardcore stuff they're asked to do a lot of shit but climbing up on that scaffold that scaffold was way up in the fucking air
1: let, let me tell you um, somebody who would have no problem with it today joey janela <laughs> joey Janella, probably not joey janela would jump the fuck off of that scaffold like tomorrow
2: yeah and uh he, yeah he probably would because he is bad boy joey janela Uh, And another one to probably jump off of would be Sammy Callahan, as crazy as he is, too.
1: Sammy Callahan would swing a bat full fucking speed at Joey Janela and knock him off of said scaffold. And they would fall through flaming tables covered in barbed wire and gasoline and (laughs) thumbtacks. And then somebody would schoolboy the other one, and it would be (laughs) huge business. I'm not shitting on those guys, by the way. I'm a fan of both of them. I watch them every week on MLW. I literally just watch them tear it up on BN Sports. But I'm just saying, we look back at this 1986 stuff, and we're like, and then the goddamn scaffold, I'm like, fucking Janela would do like a 630 (laughs) off of that. He don't care. Like, the business has changed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dennis is like, fuck my whole wrestling career. You made me climb up here. (laughs) Meanwhile, Janela's like, I'm going to set myself on fire and do a fucking 630 (laughs) off of it. And I'm going to make my booking tomorrow.
2: Oh, God. Yeah. Another one of those crazy motherfuckers, of course, is Jimmy Havoc. Uh, And I I, I, and of course, uh, to me, the craziest one of them uh, is uh, Darby Allen, who is uh, who's hurt himself doing this crazy stuff and had to take a few months off. Uh, But I tell all these kids now, Conrad, and I know all of our, our listeners out there probably watch MLW or maybe watch some stuff on YouTube, some hardcore stuff. I tell all these kids, I said, your career is not going to last long. It's not. You have to slow down. And, of course, you know, that happened uh, to Daniel Bryan. And now he's back, and he's still doing those crazy bumps. It does. It's, it's just the wear and tear on the body that, w- that for these guys, like the Midnight Express, was incredible back then. What do you think it is now? You know, I, I love Joey Janela. I love Darby Allen. I literally love Sammy Callahan, those guys. But Jesus Christ.
1: Man, let me tell you, this is the highlight of the whole show. Tony, I can't wait to hear what you've got to say about this.
2: Okay. Uh, here's Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, and now we're going to talk about the Rock and Roll Express Super Summer Sizzler Tour. And we're going to have three parts to the Rock and Roll Express Super Summer Sizzler Tour. As a matter of fact, I thought this was very cool that I would be talking this entire promo. We're going to have the Rock and Roll Express lookalike contest. And remember, boys and girls ages 5 to 13 dress up like the Rock and Roll Express. And guess what? You can walk to the ring with Ricky and Robert, the Rock and Roll Express, during this Super Summer Sizzler Tour. <laughs> but that's not all. We are also going to have the Rock and Roll Express Super Summer Sizzler Tour. And we're going to decide on a Miss Rock and Roll Express. And we're going to have Miss Rock and Roll Express with her. Are you ready for this, Conrad? Yep. With her court and her parents as chaperones get on a bus and go all around the southeast. I'm going to be there. Jimmy the Boogie Woogie Man Valiant's is going to be on the bus because he doesn't want to pay trans to go to the towns. Doug Dillinger is going to be there to make sure everything's on the up and up. We want all these young girls, along with their parents or their guardians, to to send a photograph you got to be up to 14 17 years of age to miss rock and roll express contest p.o box 11390 charlotte 28220 here's the rub for all this guys who do you think is going to have to go through all these pictures who do you think is going to have to decide on all these girls do you think it's ricky and robert fuck no they're stars it's going to be me I have to pour over all these letters from all these girls and pick out about seven girls who are going to be on the bus with us. Now remember, all these girls are underage, and that's why we have Doug Dellinger with us. And that's also why they have me with us. One of the girls is going to be crowned Miss Rock and Roll Express. Uh, But now, here's the one that Ricky and Robert can't wait to hear about because it's for girls 18 and over. You're going to have a (laughs) dream date. Look with at, Ricky and Robert.
1: Ricky could barely contain the smile here. <laughs> the Rock and Roll Express Dream Date Contest
2: for ladies 18 years of age and older. You're going to go to New York. You're going to go see, and I remember all this vividly, you're going to go see Cats, the musical, and then you're going to go eat at a place after the show, or actually before the show, you're going to eat at a place that's, uh has all been picked out By the help of Bill Apter Who went up there and helped them Was a kind of a chaperone But you're going to be picked up in a limousine uh, And now that you're 18 years of age and older And in that limousine Ricky and Robert are probably going to hit on you But that's what a dream date With the Rock and Roll Express is all about Uh, And uh, that was quite a time And yes I did go through all those pictures Conrad And picked out the the seven girls
1: (sighs) I don't, and I don't know what to say sh- here i'm just gonna be quiet okay. i'm gonna lay out hang on okay
2: and i still stay in touch with one of them to this day
1: no you don't yes i do uh, tell the truth is this how you met lois <laughs> no. she was trying to get yeah. to ricky morton and she <laughs> fell for a slap dick she thought she had robert gibson's uh gimmick a and joint. instead she yeah. got a, yeah. a button on a fur coat yeah so like no I, i can just to, to, imagine like listen when he unzipped it would be like <laughs> but when you did it's like the whole price is right thing when you fail yeah. at plunko womp, <laughs> right it's gotta be what it was
2: Yeah, uh, i gotta get that sound i don't know womp,
1: why, womp, why womp. but they-, <laughs> they go. um For information, call from 9 to 5 Eastern Daylight Time. Yeah. That's right. We go home at 5 o'clock. 9 a.m. P.M. Daylight Time. I don't know why. (laughs) Uh, Listen, I do stay in touch with one of those girls. And what do you say to her? I say
2: she's married now with children. Uh, She lives in the, uh, she's from Ohio. Uh, She lives in the Columbus area. I've gotten her tickets. Uh, to see uh, us play baseball against the Columbus Clippers, she and her mom were just just genuinely
1: sweet people. Her mom? Did you did you well, make? I mean, how do you keep up with this girl on ChatterBait? <laughs> ChatterBait. Are the you fuck? Are, are you in the loop on ChatterBait? <laughs> no. Stop. Throw don't it, go. Don't go any further. Don't go Google any machine. further. Okay. Don't
2: go, motherfucker. Don't go any further on this show with that.
1: Okay. Stop.
2: All right. Anyway, you can tell me afterwards. Uh, <laughs> uh, there, her mom was on the tour. They would; uh, these girls oh, would come with her mom. Really? Yes. We, we, you you would I don't think any dads arrived. I think it was all moms and their girls. And they were on this tour with us, and they were the chaperones. You couldn't put a bunch of seventeen-year-old girls on a bus with Ricky and Robert. I mean, you could, but you shouldn't.
1: line of the day roll the fucking credits
2: Uh, okay you i mean look there had to be a little bit of decorum here because that was their age group that's the girls that liked them the young preteen girls so to speak and uh all the girls were just as nice and sweet and of course they love ricky and robert and i'm gonna i'm gonna say this for sure I had a blast. I had a great time. It was worth it. We sold out everywhere. And of course, we didn't go to, you know, the big venues, uh, but we sold out everywhere, including the very last one on a Sunday was in Asheville, North Carolina. And uh, we crowned Miss Rock and Roll Express. I talked to Ricky and Robert that day. I said, "Okay, which one of these girls? Which one of these girls are you going to crown Miss Rock and Roll Express? And they said, uh, I don't care. I said, well, you got to make a decision here. No, you make a decision. I'm not going to make a fucking decision. You make the decision. No, no, you make the decision. So I took the names. I put them in a hat and I said, here, draw. No, you draw. I said, you motherfuckers. So I drew out of the hat and this one girl, I think she was from Elberton, Georgia one. And, uh. Uh I concocted this big letter from Ricky Morton that I read on stage that day about how much they had a great time and all that shit and we crowned her gave her flowers and a sash and a tiara and uh so I was the brains behind the Rock and Roll Express Super Summer Sizzler tour it was Dusty's idea but I made it fucking happen me
1: how about old Boogie Woogie out here he's got uh Some hair samplings from Shaska blows it out of his hand and he's cutting a promo here all about Pistol Pez Watley and Paul Jones. This is good old school stuff.
2: Yeah, he was a great promo, man. People were into his shit and he was, uh, he was before his time in this because his song that we used back then, and they can't use it here. Right, and they couldn't use it moving forward. Was Manhattan Transfer, the boy from New York City, and that song started out. When those when those bars of music would hit in the arena, people would go fucking nuts. Yeah. And it was before its time. You know, uh, as we went on with Vince McMahon, when the music would hit, the fans would cheer. You know. Uh, and react to the music but his music had people reacting now here comes the james gang the james boys and uh this of course was an extension of the midnight rider angle that dusty had done in uh, in florida and everybody said when dusty does the midnight rider angle you know uh he's desperate but this was pretty
1: cool i want to ask you a question here all right i watch this and i'll i'll tell the truth i've only seen like two or three segments with the james gang here before are they are they borrowing this from the machines i feel like vince mcmahon and the wwf had just done the you know giant machine super machine all the like right. hulk machine like everybody's wearing a mask around this time up there and now all of a sudden these guys show up here doing this. Does this not feel like, and I know he was the midnight rider first. I'm not disparaging dusty, but the timing here seems curious. Do I have my timeline wrong where the machines out first? Uh, no, I think you're right. And, 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 uh, knowing how dusty
2: was, you know, had his ear to the business. He probably said, you know, we can do better than that. Right. But uh, the, the fact is, is that, you know, I always thought it was really cool with dusty with the mask on. Uh, still being Dusty Rhodes, claiming that he's not. Because, Conrad, there were still some fans out there that weren't sure that it was Dusty Rhodes.
1: And those fans <laughs> need to buy a shirt from lowestrules.com right now.
2: <laughs> uh, there were some fans that says, nah, it's not Dusty. It's a guy who talks like him, but it's not Dusty. They believe that shit, man. God love them. Absolutely, God loving. Uh, I don't know much about this uh, this Steve Regal, who is not the Steve Regal that we know, right. or the Stephen Regal that we know. Uh, and As a matter of fact, when he came out of here, I kind of scratched my head, thinking, "Do I remember this guy or not?" But there's no question I remember uh, gorgeous Jimmy Garvin and Precious. Great entrance, lion. I don't know if uh, if you go to a one of the shows now, one of the autograph signings, one of the conventions, uh, and you see Jimmy Garvin, you're going to go, no.
1: Yeah, I mean he's uh, th- that hair is gone. The signature hair is completely gone, All right? And he's what hair he's got left now is gray. What what a success story though, you know, private private airline pilot now, you know, and, and I mean, he's just he's done really really well for himself, working with NetJets and. He's one of the success stories in wrestling. He was, uh, he was a commercial pilot before that. Check out over there on the corner with the Gucci shirt. Oh, hall of famer, Teddy long, man, a man. I mean, from, and
2: here's from- Rocky King, you know, Rocky was, uh, I always thought Rocky should have been given a little bit more of a push, uh, fans. Uh, if you go back and watch this and listen to the fans, uh, response, they were kind of into Rocky. Uh, he was a Georgia kid. Uh he had a pretty good look. Great look. He could do some he could do some things and uh not sure but I'm sure that uh that he would probably be very close to having a jump rope with him. If oh. you know what I mean.
1: Oh, I didn't know you were doing a little hog watching back then too. I thought that <laughs> was a relative new thing.
2: No, just uh, you, you hear things. You don't really watch. You hear things if you know what i say
1: man uh, how, how great was uh the package of of ronnie garvin and oh by the way you could clearly see right there and i know it was um at different times they positioned it different ways clearly though the intent was that it was some sort of perfume like an arrogance type thing years before rick martell was doing it but right there it was very apparent that she was using like a household spray you know like i don't know like a glade like glade yeah 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 (laughs) you know what What i always thought would have been funny would have been remember that shit carpet fresh yeah what if she would have like shake you know shook a bunch of like carpet fresh out on the on the uh, mat and every time somebody takes a bump it goes everywhere that'd be hilarious i'm telling you i'm telling you mr promoter no oh yeah no i'll tell you this though if i if i was doing that i would have the carpet fresh on top of a flaming scaffold and i'd put joey janela up there (laughs) he's the bad boy ignite the can do you know that joey Uh, janela and i don't think a lot of people know this he was one of the uh black scorpions back in uh wcw no really yeah he's older than he looks how old do you think joey is oh i thought joey was in his uh late 20s no joey's 48 years old no yeah he's like he's like okay. ben, he's like benjamin button or whatever i kind of talked to him about that hey the the, the... i'm just kidding somebody yeah, put just... him on there and in wikipedia and i knew that it was a misprint So someone we covered the black scorpion i just did it anyway i knew somebody was just trolling the page but i just did it anyway as a shout out to the bad boy and by the way have you seen his show spring break no i gotta get you a version of that that may be something we have to watch on patreon
2: Okay, we'll do that. There's a match on there with the
1: Invisible Man. (laughs) I'm being serious. (laughs) Oh, God. And, of course, people believe it. Well, they believe Dusty Rhodes wasn't really the Midnight Rider, too. Right? Some things never change. By the way, the Midnight Rider gimmick, you know, the whole mask and the jacket and the onesie and all that. I know where that wound up. Yeah. At the Conradison. Yes, sir.
2: I guess for our patrons who have the low key big hog level, they may be able to see that one day.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. We got to figure out when we're going to do our big, uh, Huntsville get together for our low key big hogs. Wow. Absolutely.
2: We do. And that, that is going to be a fun weekend. Uh, you know, uh, I really liked, and this was don't don't get any sexual any windows into this. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I really liked Patty, precious. Oh, everybody does. Yeah, she was uh, she was she was very very good. She had a she had that voice that when you know kind of a whiny cut through voice, and we've you know we've talked about that angle with Kevin Sullivan, but uh, you know she. She really didn't care that much about the business. She cared about Jimmy, she cared about, you know, trying to make money for the family. Uh she walked away from the business, became a mom and uh uh they are still married and she's just uh she was a wonderful person. Had a lot of time for her. Really had a lot of time for her.
1: Nobody ever says anything bad about her, you know? No, they they shouldn't. She
2: was, she was a she's a fine lady. And I I don't blame her for leaving the business. Get out when you can. She had big boobs hmm.
1: um, I don't know how that's relevant it, but cool I
2: don't either I mean you can either do or you don't Here, I guess
1: here's what I like you're like now, don't take this sexual fast forward 30 <laughs> seconds she had big boobs <laughs> fuck we've, she got, did. we've got to get you out more one of the things we need to offer on Patreon is your first visit to uh, a strip club <laughs> I'm getting your ass at the shoot to the shoe show I managed to get Bruce Prichard to the shoe show twice in our friendship. I can get you there once. I've been to a strip club before. Yeah, the year was
2: 1978.
1: I went to a strip club years ago,
2: and uh, Missy Hyatt was in there uh, along with what? her friend. What was she doing? Yeah. Was she getting
1: strange for she some re- change?
2: No, she was just in there hanging out. We were all having a drink, and uh, let's see who else was there. Barry Wyndham was there. Well, you
1: know Eric Bischoff Michael- was there.
2: Uh no, this was before then. This was uh this is probably before Bischoff. This was not the Gold Club. Uh this was Cheetah. And Missy made out with her friend. Oh, well. And her friend's name was like Sarah or something like that or June. It turns out the Cheetah
1: is still a place in Atlanta. Hmm i didn't realize I know, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know it is i love you i know it is i got it my is. own table
2: it's not that's no, not too far from the radio station where i work in atlanta They know so they i know, they know, it
1: they know it is they know wednesday is for shivanto <laughs> what happened when tony blew well, his patreon it, money at the cheetah <laughs> We ought to have a we ought to
2: have for our, our we ought to have for some of our patreons in a higher level, go have a have a uh, a uh, let's see a uh, Tommy Young night at the Cheetah.
1: I don't even want to suggest what might happen there. <laughs> Golly, you got a big smile on your face on that one because <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. Like uh, i I'm, I'm glad this episode's over and we can wind her down. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the credits are rolling. Jim Crockett, Virgil Runnels, lots of names that we recognize here, boy. Yeah, Wayne Daniel. Wayne was a hard-working son of a bitch. but Phil Dickey, God. sounds like he works the door at the Cheetah. <laughs> Wayne Daniel used to
2: be the guy that rolled in all the tapes, shot all the footage. You know, we didn't do anything. We every, did everything live to tape, so Wayne was always in the back and, and was rolling that tape. Had a cigarette in the side of his mouth and was rolling tape, man.
1: God
2: guess, bless the eighties.
1: I guess we should, um, tell everybody what's coming up next week. If you'd like to keep up with us, uh, please do clash of the champions 2, Miami mayhem. It goes down on June 8th, 1988. So we'll be right around that 30 year anniversary mark. That's what's coming up next week on what happened to And don't forget, if you haven't already, at least check us out on Patreon patreon.com forward slash whw monday eventually we're going to get tony to the uh cheetah but right now you can see him watch the enzo rap video which sounds like a lot of fun we're also going to be having a bonus episode coming to you soon i think we might actually reach out to joey and figure out is there a way we could cover spring break because i think you watching spring break would be fun i know um one of the bonus shows I want to do sooner rather than later is to make you watch ECW's one night stand from 2005. It's my favorite live show experience ever. And I think you would be into it since you haven't seen a lot of that. I think it would be fun. Maybe a little CZW king of the death match or something like that. Um, and then you
2: think you think Francine's husband would let her watch it with me sitting on my lap.
1: I mean, can he be in the room? Well, if he needs to be.
2: Yeah. I'm, 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 listen i'm harmless man
1: no yeah i mean i guess if you if you showed him the button first he'd be like oh we're good it's so you're very non-threatening mr shivanto have at it right i won't even know you were there
2: <laughs> what <laughs> won't even know you were there yeah not minimal, it, minimal. talk about no you were there in the room no that's R- not what you're talking about oh oh okay
1: okay well you know you just said earlier you I mean from your own wife's testimony Tony slept through the birth. I slept through conception. Yes. So, well, listen, uh, coming up, let's go ahead and give you the schedule here next week. Clash of the champions 2, Miami mayhem. The week after that, June 13th, 1987, another episode of what we just saw NWA world championship wrestling. And then our last episode of June, unless you're on Patreon, you're going to get a couple of bonuses is the June 25th, 1988 NWA world championship wrestling. I feel like we should mention, we did sell out of the glass, uh, not glass bottom boat ride, but the low key big hogs. We sold out of that very quickly. Lots of people are wanting to know, are you going to add more of that? How can we get more of that? We might at some point, And if we do, we will offer it to everyone who is a glass bottom boat rider first. Uh, there's a limited number of those as well. I don't think we have, but like 20 something left. And once they're gone, they're gone. I can't add any more at that level. Uh, but I do think it's worth mentioning that the Hot Tag Express is still going to get you the bonus show. So check out Patreon, kick it around, consider it if you're into it. No big deal if you're not. You should also check out lowestrules.com. And maybe one of our hottest shirts we've ever done is at boxofgimmicks.com. We've got that podcast row shirt over there uh, that everybody's talking about. You can even get, just in time for summer, a low key big hog koozie and a beach towel, which everybody needs. Anything else we need to hit for you today, Tony? Uh, no, I just do want to say that
2: uh, uh, moving forward, uh, the Clash 2 was Miami Mayhem. It was at the Knight Center, which was a theater that was in the Marriott downtown. I guess it's still there in Miami. Uh, I remember that. And also remember that Miami had some of the best female fans of any town we ever went to. Yeah, well, I don't know what to say here. Um, well, they just—they were just—they were good fans. They were good fans. One of them's name was Peanut. The other ones was—I uh, can't remember the other one's name. Uh, one wore a red dress and sang "Lady in Red." What was her
1: name? I don't know.
2: Just great memories. I love the fans, you know, love the
1: fans. Tony, you're having a moment. I I look down and I I think it's, I think it's about this time.
2: Yeah. I look down too. And I see that there is still a button on a fur coat. I don't know what we're
1: doing right now. Okay. (laughs) Okay.
2: Yes. It's the end of the road here for WHW, which of course drops on Wednesdays now. And it's time for our tag team main event. It is Dave Silva, Conrad Thompson against Joey Janela. And the Invisible Man. As Joey Chinelli and the Invisible Man come to the ring and through the ropes, the Invisible Man attacks attacks Conrad Thompson. He pulls down Conrad Thompson's tights. My God, look at that low-key big hog that Conrad Thompson has. He rolls him up. Silva drops on top. I don't know what Silva's doing. He's going after a burrito, apparently. We're out of time. We'll see you next week. ...on What Happened When... Oh, this is Old Commentary Ninja... ...saying promotional consideration... ...paid for by the following...
0: You know, for seven, eight, nine years... ...Dusty Rosie American Dream and Ole Anderson done battle throughout this country. It's always been a way with Ole Anderson and Dusty Rose to cripple Maine or hurt somebody. The American dream seems to be something that he don't want to believe in. He's stuck in this redneck attitude about the way the country should be, about what should happen. You know, whether you're black, white, green, yellow, it has never mattered to the American dream. And he has always went on television and said, I believe one way, he believes the other. He's a bigamist." He's bigger than life. He's a redneck. He has nothing more than Ole Anderson. He laid up in Wisconsin with a broken leg, feeling sorry for himself. Now, once again, he comes, tries to tear my ear off and get into my personal. You understand? Now, when you play the dozens with Dusty Rhodes through the years, you know that some got to happen. He said, Dusty Rhodes, this is me and you. This is the end. All you skeptics in television land all you people that are interested in watching the comedies on saturday morning and think it's wrestling got to get on this right here this is the real deal this is the american dream dusty Rose. this is my livelihood this is the way i make my living day in day out and for every skeptic forever lawyer that they either halfway fan there are 20 million people daily that love professional wrestling, that love Dusty Rose, the American Dream, and believe the way I do. You take Oleana for one minute, I'm gonna go and tell this guy over here, this little bit of kid, no matter what color he is, that there's not a real American Dream out there, that you can't reach out in life and be the best you can and go through this life like Dusty Rose, live in on the end of a lightning bolt, nurturing wounds, and offering up my innocence. And every time I do what you do, you pay me back in scone. Well, the fans say, come in, dream. I'll give you shelter from the storm." That's what it's all about, Ole. If it's me and you, if this is the end, if it's all over, if it's no more, no more, then let's go for it. Let's go for it. Leave no stone unturned. Leave no rock not thrown and no glass broken. If this the end, I'm glad it's me and you. Ain't that the way it should be, hoss? You got it, Jack. World Championship Wrestling. Bringing you great wrestling action.
2: Sanctioned by the NWA. National Wrestling Alliance.